One, two, is this on? <laughs> Yo, Jimmy hit me with that triple H. Yeah, episode six. You're listening to the Jake is the Worst podcast, and I am Jake Von Eric. November fourteenth, two thousand seventeen, and um, where do we begin? One place, obviously. The Detroit Pistons are ten and three. I'm going to repeat myself. The Detroit Pistons are ten and three. They are currently the second-best team in the Eastern Conference behind the red-hot Boston Celtics who lost their first two games and then have went on to win 12 in a row. Um, The Pistons have the fourth-best record in the league. Boston, obviously, number one at 12-2. Houston at 11-3. The Golden State Warriors at 11-3. And here are our Detroit Pistons at 10-3. Pistons have won five straight uh, and have been red hot at home. Um, at Little Caesars Arena, the Pistons are 7-1 on the year, with that only loss coming to Philadelphia um, in a game in which they were uh, beat pretty bad by the 76ers. They just did not look good and came out with bad energy from the get-go. Um Obviously, one of the big stories with the Pistons beyond that record is the attendance at Little Caesars Arena. And I keep teasing it, and I keep saying, at some point in time, I'm going to spend an entire podcast on, I guess, finally just saying it once and for all, being done with it, and moving on as much as possible that I can uh, on the, the move from the Palace of Auburn Hills, which was an amazing and perfectly fine arena for the Detroit Pistons, Um, and moving downtown to Little Caesars Arena. Very quick, out of nowhere. Um, But I will save that. Uh, I just don't think it's time to get into that that discussion right now. Um, I think that there's just so much good with the Pistons right now and, and so much happening that's exciting that we I don't need to worry about that angle and I I, I don't need to to touch on that um it's a happy time for Pistons fans it's the best start for the team in 12 years um now attendance is down at Little Caesars Arena but I think that will change Minnesota um and I'm hoping to get back soon but uh you know the team is playing Good basketball, very good basketball, and they're playing well on both ends of the floor. They're in the top 10 in defensive rating, the top 10 in offensive rating, and as of a couple days ago, there was a tweet that was put out there uh, by uh, the Pistons beat writer for their website, Keith Langoy, I believe, Langlo. I don't know how to say the guy's last name, I apologize, uh, but... The, the only other team in the top 10 or the top the two teams in the top 10 in both defensive and offensive rating well it's the Golden State Warriors and the Detroit Pistons um, and I think that's a sign that this team is for real because they're doing it on both ends of the floor and they have a, a, a plus 
5.3 point differential. They're averaging 106.5 points per game, and they're uh, defensively uh, letting up 101.2. Boston right now is like the cream of the crop in the league at 94, um, but they only average 102 points a game. The Pistons are playing awesome basketball, and one thing that I attribute to that, of course, is the arrival of Avery Bradley. And I was a big supporter of Contavious Caldwell-Pope because he was the best defensive player on our team for a number of years, the last couple of years, and that, that defensive wing that is so rare in the NBA and so important in the NBA, that, that 3 and D type player. The thing is, is KCP never fully developed there, um, and you're seeing it right now with him in Los Angeles. I mean, it's kind of been the same thing every year. He'll have that game where he has 26 points and hits four or five threes. And what I liked about KCP was that he had that that hungry, never you know, not scared attitude, and that's what you want out of players. And he, you know, he he gave it all on defense. And, you know, he had those games where he would blow up. You know, some games, I, you know, 35. And the next night, two points. Um, Avery Bradley's not that. Avery Bradley's going to get you consistent scoring at about 16, 17 points a game. He's going to shoot the ball a lot better than KCP. KCP only shot 39, 40% at best. And, you know, in the mid-30s from, from three-point at very best. And... You know, you look back, and when we made the trade for Avery Bradley, it was getting what you wanted and hoped Contavious Caldwell-Pope would be. You lost Marcus Morris in the process, but ultimately what you did was you lost 26 shots between Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris was shooting 41% from the field, while KCP was shooting right under 40. And now you're getting shots in Avery Bradley's hands, uh, more shots in Tobias Harris's hands, and both those guys are more consistent. Tobias Harris is shooting the lights out from three this year at almost 50%, and you're just getting a more efficient duo offensively. Now, Stanley Johnson obviously is the starting small forward when healthy, uh, you know, kind of taking Marcus's spot in the lineup, but he doesn't take many shots, and, and hopefully he'll get his stroke going sooner than later. It has not been there much in his young NBA career, uh, but he's still young. So I think that's been big for this team, especially just with the improvement on offense, shooting the ball better from three, and then, of course, improving their defense because KCP, well, is a good defender and someone who I really thought could become a, a, a premier defender and, and player in this league. I was wrong on that, at, at least at this point, and seemingly so. But we got that guy in, in Avery Bradley who is in an elite, elite defensive player. Uh, and he he's made an instant impact on this team. You often see him in, in late-game situations, you know, coming up with the ball, making a stop, doing something that, that either gets this team a possession they need, gets this team a stop they need, and it's been awesome to see. Um, so those are some things that I think, in addition to obviously Andre Drummond's improved play defensively and at the free throw line, now he's shooting 63%, but that's still almost double his career uh, average. So 
you got to be thrilled with Andre's uh, Andre's you know year so far. Now we're 13 games into the season. A lot can happen, and uh, you know it, it's it's no lock that this team is is going to continue at this pace. And if they continued at this pace, they'd win 63 games, which would be insane. Uh, winning 50, I think, would be insane for this team. If you were to come up to me two months ago and ask me, hey, Jake, what do you think the Pistons are going to do this year? I had no idea. And I've said that. Uh, I, you could have told me they'd win 30, and uh, or you could have told me they'd, they'd win 42. And I'd be like, you know, both are possibilities. 42 would be like that great high end, maybe 43, 44, something like that, and finish in the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference. Um, or 30, just another miserable season and an underachieving season. Or you could have said that at some point in the season they blow the roster up and they only win 26 games, and I would not have been shocked. Um, So with that said, it's early still. There's a lot of basketball to be played. But with a 10-3 start, the idea of 50 wins seems realistic for this team. And in in finishing a top-four seed in the East, which still many of the experts are – are very skeptical on on this Pistons team, and rightfully so. Um, nobody really thinks that the Pistons can keep up or even kind of stay where they're at, you know, atop or in the you know kind of in that plethora or area, excuse me, of the top of the Eastern Conference with with Boston and will Cleveland ever make a charge or um, you know Washington who who needs to get their act together and has won three in a row, Milwaukee you know where do they stand? Orlando starting to fade a bit after their hot start, losing two in a row, and and with that comes of course the Pistons schedule. The Pistons schedule gets tough here. Of the next 16 games, 11 of those games are on the road. The home games are not easy. So five home games over the next 16 games. Those home games, Cleveland, Phoenix. Now, Cleveland looked poor, but at some point, they're going to get it rolling, and they still have LeBron James. Phoenix. Phoenix is a bad team. Golden State. We all know the Warriors. You know, can, are the Pistons going to sweep the Warriors in a season? I have no idea. But if they did, it would be incredible. If the Pistons can somehow knock them off twice early on in this season, what an incredible thing for them to do and something to really keep them believing in themselves and, and pushing forward in this uh, young NBA season. After Golden State, you got Boston, who. Obviously, as I've said, red hot right now, the best team in the East and and, and playing like the best team in the NBA. Uh, You know, I'm sure that will even out soon with Golden State and and who knows what Houston will be when Chris Paul gets back. And then you have Denver. And Denver is still, you know, a pretty good team, a, a team some people thought would win close to 50 games or in the high 40s. But the 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 upcoming schedule is not easy for the Pistons, and it's going to be on the road against Milwaukee, on the road against Indy, and on the road against Minnesota for the next three games, then home for that Cleveland game, then back on the road for Oklahoma City, then in Boston. So in those 16 games, two games against Boston. Uh, And then the Phoenix game at home, at Washington, at Philly, at San Antonio, again at Milwaukee, then the three-game homestand with Golden State, Boston, and Denver, and then at Atlanta and at Indy, some frisky teams, some tough teams. 
it's going to be tough for the Pistons to, to maintain this pace. I This is going to be the test. And if they can somehow over the 16-game stretch go 8-8, eight and eight, it puts them at 18-11. and 11. And if they do that at 18-11, and 11, that takes you to the middle of December. It takes you to uh, 29 games into the season. Um, <clears throat> and it, it, it puts the Pistons about... You know, a, a right around a third of their way into their season and at about 52 wins for the year. So that would be super impressive if they can get out of this stretch at eight and eight. Uh, it will be tough. I believe it's nine of those first 11 games are on the road. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be a rough stretch for the Pistons and it starts tomorrow against Milwaukee. And there's no reason they can't get that win. They beat Milwaukee at home. You know, Milwaukee's still kind of figuring some things out. Jason Kidd, a lot of people think he's on the hot seat there. Um, So that should be an exciting game tomorrow. Uh, A couple other things with the Pistons. The one thing that I love, the one thing that I'm seeing is when they are winning these games, they're, you know, the post-game interview with whatever player the, you know, Fox Sports decides to interview. Players are throwing water on the guy. They're having fun. They're messing around. There's a lot of smiling on the bench, and that's what winning does, but these guys seemingly like each other. They're playing. They've came together and as, as one unit, and you know, there's different guys contributing every night off the bench. There's, there's still not a full set rotation, and you're seeing that's – it reminds me of, of those early Piston teams before the title in 04 – you know, those 0203 teams, those guys loved each other. Um, you know, John Barry, Corliss Williamson, and they were having fun. And that's what you want to see, especially out of a young team with a couple veterans mixed in. But that the Pistons are still a pretty young team. And uh, to see those guys having fun while winning, uh, you can't ask for much more. I mean, it, it, as, as far as body language goes, Andre Drummond was a guy with just horrible body language the last few years sometimes you'd see it on tv a lot of times you'd see it in the arena you know the team in a timeout him just sitting there moping on the bench because he can't stay in the game because he can't hit free throws or he's playing poor defense or getting worked by a player like paul gasol or somebody who's stretching the floor and just taking him completely out of the game and that's not happening um right now so we're just seeing a good vibe around this team, and I like it. And it's surprising that it's happening with Stan Van Gundy in year four when you thought maybe him and Andre were done, and, and you hope it can keep up. Um, and, and it's just been a real awesome thing to watch. And the other thing is, as a diehard Piston fan, what's been so exciting is... This team's winning. It's fun to watch. They're winning, you know, in a variety of ways with a variety of guys. They've had some comebacks, five or six nice comebacks from poor starts, which, you know, you hope they can they can get that together. But with all that said, I wake up wishing the Pistons were playing on days they weren't, and I'm excited, and I can't stop thinking about the next game, and I can't tell you as a Piston fan how long it's been since I felt that. There's something in the air, and I know that not everyone in Detroit has picked up on it yet. I know that not everyone who watches basketball throughout the country or the world has probably picked up on it yet, but 
if this team can keep doing what they're doing and and, and continue to grow and, and guys, the younger guys will, will hopefully get better. And, uh, you know, this Easter conference is weak. And like I said, I don't know what's going on in Cleveland. I think they're bored. Um, and they also just have a weird mix of players. And I don't know. Nobody knows what Isaiah Thomas is going to be like when he gets back for them. Um, so it's it, it could be a very interesting season and a very interesting playoffs for the Detroit Pistons. Um, you know, are they going to make it to the conference finals? Probably not. Who knows? But to watch this team grow, to watch them get better, and to see guys like Reggie Jackson get healthy um, and, and help this team win basketball games and everyone rallying around each other is exactly what you could ask for. Um, and it's been awesome. So 10-3 and three for the Pistons. It's exciting. Um, if they keep it up here, uh, I think the attendance will definitely rise over at Little Caesars Arena because it's not about where they play. It's about the product on the floor. It's always been that. That's been my argument since day one. Um, but again, I'll touch on that later. Um, the Pistons kicking ass. It's been great. It's been fun to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I love seeing the new and improved Andre, Andre Drummond. I hope he stays engaged throughout the course of this season. And I hope Stan keeps coaching these guys up because it, it's looked awesome so far. Um, it's just fun. It's fun to watch the Pistons be good again. And I, I know that not everybody's there yet, but hopefully if they keep winning, everyone will be back on this bandwagon. Um, so go Pistons. It's exciting. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just pumped. Sorry. Um, I guess another NBA, the big NBA kind of story online last night um, was Nick's rookie, Frank, uh, I believe it's pronounced Frank Nicotina, Frankie Nicotine, uh, Nicotalina. Uh, he was a, a, a draft pick by the Knicks by Phil Jackson before he was let go from the Knicks. Point guard, and he was drafted before Dennis Smith Jr., who's been a, a good rookie right now for the Dallas Mavericks, who have won two games and, and suck. They're terrible. Um, you know, Frankie Smokes, Frankie Nicotine, uh, is coming off the bench, and he's not a scorer. Uh, Dennis Smith is, and you know, he's not much of an offensive player, but. Um, People are just ranting and raving about his defense. I mean, you know, there's nights he's got six steals, five steals, three steals, and he's just coming out there. He's he's dishing the ball around, and he's playing good basketball for, I mean, speaking of, of teams with surprising records, um, you know, the New York Knicks are 7-6, and six, and who saw that coming? Um, now, I did see them possibly improving and, and just blossoming without Carmelo Anthony. That's another topic for later. I mean, that guy is just, he sucks. I'm sorry. He's the most overrated player of the last 20 years. I don't think anybody's more overrated than Carmelo Anthony. Um, That guy has been given so much credit for doing nothing, for never winning, and then given every excuse as to why he's not winning. Um, And he's been a loser throughout his whole career. Um, and he's taken people down with him. He ended Lynn's sanity. And, my God, it's, you know, between him and Phil Jackson, 
the Kristaps Porzingis could have ended in New York before it even got started. And now look at this kid. He's 7-3. He's averaging 30 points a game. He's an MVP candidate right now early, early on. Um, and the Knicks are just fun, and that's good for basketball. And and and, and Frank Nicotilina, or however you say the poor guy's name, I will figure that out, has been a part of that. You know, he's slowly getting there as a rookie. He's 19 years old from France. 19 or 20 is a young kid. And LeBron James had remarks about Dennis Smith Jr. and about how the Knicks passed on him and he should be their point guard. And kind of like he was jabbing more, he said, at Phil Jackson. And I assume he was. They don't like each other, plain and simple. But it's still you're putting somebody else down. So... Ines Cantor, um, Turkish big man and, you know, hack soft on defense, but, you know, has been a walking double-double this year. He does get rebounds. He does score. Um, he just doesn't play any defense. He likes to talk, and he's, you know, he's been in a couple of those little uh, word battles with, you know, on his way out of Utah and, and even stuff against, you know, Kevin Durant when he left um, – Oklahoma City and now he's in New York and he kind of you know fired back at LeBron and I'm going to stick up for my rookie and and, and all that so last night the Knicks and uh, the Cavs played the Cavs uh, beat him by three uh, and barely beat the Knicks Um, and then at some point during the game in the early or late in the first quarter uh, Frankie gets the ball the rookie and he picks it up, and LeBron kind of gets in his way and is, like, forcing himself on him, like, blocking him from, like, getting the ball to take it to inbound it. So what does this 19-year-old kid do to the 15-year NBA veteran champion, four-time MVP, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, NBA players ever? He pushes off him with his arm, like, three times to get through him. As he does, then he puts his arms up, like, what? It was awesome to see this kid do that. And LeBron can say that he was saying this stuff, you know, uh, to go at Phil Jackson. But then why are you getting all tough up in this kid's grill? I love LeBron James, but that was unnecessary. And look, it's cool when, you know, vets show, you know, rookies, hey, welcome to the league. But what are you picking on this kid for? You know, it's kind of it's kind of silly. I think it's a sign of LeBron's frustration right now that his team has been terrible. And he's playing out of his mind, but everything around him sucks. And it doesn't work. It's not working. And, you know, they're a long ways away from being ready to, to, to one, maybe even get to the finals. But, two, and most importantly, uh, compete with Golden State. Because it's all about championships now for LeBron. We know that. Um and when that happened, and S. Cantor got in LeBron's face, and those two exchange words, and that was exciting. And look, LeBron basically called him a bum, and you know who's he to talk? I'm not even going to say his name, and I get that. I get that. And S. Cantor's got a mouth, and you know ultimately he's a jobber in the NBA landscape. But what I like is that he stood up for the rookie. They both didn't back down to LeBron, and that's exciting. And as a Knicks fan, you got to be thrilled that you have guys like that on your team, you know that that care and that you know, have started finally a a Knicks-LeBron James rivalry. Now, what was corny and what I also didn't like, I don't like LeBron in this whole situation at all, really, is then LeBron goes on Instagram calling himself the king of New York. Like, 
What? I mean, you, you've never even played New York in a playoff series. Okay, you've had some good games at the Garden over your 15-year career. But, like, so you beat the New York Knicks with, you know, this team that's in a complete rebuild, and you beat them by three? You barely beat them? I didn't like it. I didn't like that at all. I thought it was corny. I thought it was cheesy. Um, look, you're the king of the NBA, LeBron. You're the king of basketball. But the whole, like, I'm the king of New York, like, I don't know. It's just kind of corny. And I think New York is going to have their king soon in Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, you know, that kid has just been awesome and incredible to watch. Um, but, uh you know, shout out to Frankie Smokes. Uh, I like this kid. I think he's got a toughness, and he's uh, he's you know a part of this nucleus that hopefully the Knicks will be building around him, around Kristaps Porzingis. Obviously, they threw a ton of money at Tim Hardaway uh, Jr. I, you know, and that was a disaster of a deal, but you know, he's played all right. Um, but you know, the Knicks have have been have been scrappy and have been winning some basketball games and. You know, it starts with those two guys and, and their future there. And, um, you know, they're, they're clear of Carmelo. They're clear of Phil Jackson. They're not clear of James Dolan, their horrible owner. But uh, it's a good start for the Knicks. And, hey, you know what? A Knicks-Cavs game in, in excuse me, in November. Who would have thought it had been that exciting? Who would have thought we'd been talking about it, uh, you know, uh, the next day? So, Shout out to Frankie Smokes. I love it. I love him getting tough. I love him, uh, you know, pushing back on LeBron and, and not backing down because that's what you want to see out of your rookie, um, especially a New York team. You remember those old teams from the 90s with with uh, with Anthony Mason, and Larry Johnson, and, and just tough teams, Charlie Ward, uh, you know, or go back John Starks, Ewing. Uh, that's cool. So, but anyways, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick with basketball. We're going to end on that note. Yes, the Lions, 5-4. and four. Nice win. Okay, wait, not a nice win. A win against the Cleveland Browns that they almost didn't get. They played a horrible game. Uh, but a win is a win. It goes in the win column. It's time to move on, go to the next game. You know, easy schedule throughout the remainder of the year. They have no excuse to not win this division. There's no excuse. So, uh, you know, not a good game on Sunday, but doesn't mean they can't recover. Doesn't mean they can't get healthy. Uh, you know, continue to get healthy here. Good to see Taylor Decker back. Good to see Kenny Galladay on the field. Uh, Got to get Ziggy Ansa back. Got to get TJ Lang back on the field. But uh, that's it for episode six. I, I just did this one in podcast form. Didn't go on Facebook. I'm going to try to get another one out this week. We'll see if that happens. But, hey, look at me. Uh, I think three and within three weeks. So it's happening. I'm doing this more. Um, thanks for listening. You can follow me at Jake is the Worst on Twitter, at Jake is the Worst on Instagram. And, uh, you know, subscribe on iTunes to the Jake is the Worst podcast. Uh, you can also find, find it, of course, on SoundCloud. If you dig it, tell people. If you don't, I don't care. That's fine. Leave a negative review. Tell me I suck. That's cool. Whatever. All right. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this. Pistons, 10-3. and three. Lions, 5-4. and four. Both teams are going to win the championship, right? That's what's going to happen. Put your money on it. All right. Uh, talk to you guys uh, next time around. Suck it. Here comes Trump.